Good evening. Y'all welcome our online audience as they log on with us today or tonight. Well, good evening, everyone. Y'all doing great? Yes, I'm excited to be with you guys tonight and hope everybody had a great week so far. If you're watching online, hope you guys had a great week thus far today. You know, yesterday was May the 4th. So if you're a big Star Trek or Star Wars person, was it Star Wars? I can't remember now. Star Wars, may the 4th be with you. Get it? May the 4th. I guess y'all don't get it. That's okay. May the 4th be with you. But today is Cinco de Mayo. So maybe for lunch or for maybe for dinner, you go by your favorite Mexican restaurant and eat a taco for me. It's not Tuesday, but it's Wednesday. Eat a taco for me on Cinco de Mayo and uh, have some great fun. But, man, I'm glad you guys are with us tonight. I have a great word that I'm excited to share today. But, man, yesterday, I had a great opportunity yesterday. So yesterday, if uh, some of you from the city, if you know Pastor um, uh, Brad Sullivan, uh, I went with him to Montgomery, Alabama yesterday. So I wrote down with Montgomery, Alabama with him, and it was another group of pastors. This is about 20 to 30 pastors from around the state that we just met and just had good fellowship, and it was just a time of fellowship and connection. And it was really, really encouraging just to see what God is doing in churches around the state of Alabama. And me being new here, uh, it was exciting for me just to meet new people. Uh, you know, just being from, not being from here, it's like, man, where do I begin to, to start? But I thank God for, for Brad and different pastors that I've connected with throughout the city just to build relationships with. Because I feel like it's important that churches, that we unite. We're not competing against each other. We're united together because we all have the same mission, which is to go into our worlds, go into our communities, and see people added to the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. And today is along with that topic that I've always, today I was highlighting First Wednesday, and I was looking forward to First Wednesday because I was like, man, I want to talk about vision and future. It's like, I want to talk about vision and future because as a pastor, there's so many different things that I'm passionate about. And it's a lot of things that break my heart. And it's hard to put them in a, like an order from first, greatest to least, or however you want to say it. But I would just say a big passion of mine is helping people discover their purpose. But not only that, it's to help people have hope for their future. Because I come in contact with so many people that they don't have hope for their future. And that breaks my heart. It's to see people walk around aimless, like they're with no direction, with no purpose and no vision. And it's just a helpless state. And that breaks my heart because God has purpose for each and every one of us. Did you know that? From the moment that you were born and God put breath in your lungs, he created you for a specific purpose and a specific function. You watching online, God has purpose for you. So if you ever find your place in seasons, and you know seasons of life change. And when we go through different seasons of life, you know, I think back to when I was in elementary school, I wasn't worried about purpose. I was worried about lunch. <laughs> I was worried about recess. <laughs> but when seasons of life begin to change, you start to think about your future a little bit. And sometimes when you don't have a plan or you feel like you don't have purpose, man, the future can look very, very dim. And it can cause you to get stuck right where you are. And today... I just want to, I, I was going a completely different direction with vision and purpose today, but in our daily readings, this is why daily readings are so important. I was reading our daily readings today in John chapter 4, and it was the pass, a familiar passage with the Samaritan woman, uh, the woman at the well, and I was like, you know what? 
I was reading this, and I was like, man, this talks about vision and purpose so much. I think we just need to read this whole chapter and just break it down. So I just started reading verse after verse and then breaking it down to where I was like, you know what? I can identify with this lady in so many different ways. And I've heard this message preached so many different ways, but I'm not even about to preach to you tonight. Tonight, I just want you to open up your heart and to find yourself in the story of this woman. And I want you to allow the Lord to speak to your heart concerning your future. And if you feel like, man, I'm struggling for my purpose or I'm struggling to see my future. God, I know you want to do something great for me, but what is it? Sometimes, you know, we struggle with that. And I want tonight to be a night of clarity where the passion for our future and purpose begins to burn and excite. And we have an excitement for that like never before. So online, if you're watching online, tune in. Lean in. I want you to catch this. I want you to have a heart that says, I want to see myself through this woman. If you're a man, it's okay. See yourself through this woman too. It's okay. But let's just open in prayer and then we'll dive in. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence that's here. We've spent time in worship and prayer uh, already and your presence is here. It's so strong. We thank you right now for moving in our midst, for showing up and just touching our hearts, even thus far in worship and prayer. But I pray that as we go deeper in the word, that you will reveal yourself to us, that we begin to see ourselves through the eyes and through the lens of this woman and through this encounter with Jesus. And I thank you that you're opening our hearts to see something new today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. John chapter 4, and we'll start in Verse 1, John chapter 4, verse 1, we have the scripture on the screen that you'll be able to uh, follow along as well. John chapter 4, starting verse 1, Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Shira, Syrah, where near the field that Jacob gave to his son Jacob. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from a long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. And so this first thing is this that I noticed just reading these first six verses in this passage of Scripture, is that I believe that there are certain times in our life where Jesus has appointed divine appointments for us to encounter him. You know, we just finished the God Encounter series, and this is kind of an extension of that and just a bridge to a new series that we're going to start Sunday on, The Real Jesus. But I believe that there are certain appointed times in our life, and there's always opportunities for us to encounter Jesus. But sometimes I believe there's divine appointments where God and Jesus is come together and they say, I want to meet you right here. And this is a divine appointment. It says that Jesus was tired from the walk, but he stopped. He sent his disciples along. To me, that just symbolizes that Jesus said, I'm going to, I want to have a divine appointment with this lady. That I'm going to take time out of my schedule because I want her to know that I have an appointment with her. And I feel like tonight could be one of those nights for you where Jesus says, I want to encounter you tonight. This is a divine appointment for you to hear this. You watching online, it's no uh, coincidence that you're tuning in. This is something that God says, I want to encounter you right now through this story. Jeremiah chapter 29, 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. The plans are for good and not for disaster to give you a hope and a future. As I mentioned, Jesus has a plan for each and every one of us. There's a hope and a future that is great for each and every one of us. But the thing is this, is that in order to receive that, we have to encounter Jesus. Yeah. 
I know a lot of times people quote that scripture. They quote that verse and they say, oh, I know the plans that I have for you. And Jesus has great plans for me. He does. But the trick to the receiving those things is you have to encounter him. You have to embrace him. You have to receive him and follow him and obey his commands. Because I know that there's a plan for each and every one of us. But the thing is, I don't know what it is. So if you were to come to me and say, Pastor, what is the plan that God has for me? I would say, you know what? I think you need to seek the Lord about that. <laughs> because I don't know. The only thing that I could do is instruct you to go back to the one that does know. Yeah. And so many times people will look for someone else to, can you please speak to my future? Can you please give me hope? It's like, yes, I can encourage you. But the only thing I can really do is encourage you to the one that truly can help you, which is Jesus. And that's truly my heart desire when I see people that are discouraged, that they have no hope. It's like, man, I want to encourage you. Encounter Jesus. He does have a plan for you. If you feel like I'm confused about my future, I, it's, I don't know what to do. I, I feel like I'm stuck between jobs or I'm stuck in this relationship that I don't feel like it's going anywhere. I'm not talking about your marriage. I'm talking about the singles. <laughs> but you feel like, man, I don't know what to do or I'm single and I'm waiting on that spouse. And this is, there is a plan. There is a hope for your future. Lean in and encounter Jesus. Jesus wants to have intentional encounters with you that are life-changing and that he wants to let you know that you are his top priority. I feel like what Jesus was trying to teach this Samaritan woman in this scripture is this. I feel like, and we'll get into her story as we read along, but I feel like Jesus was saying, I want to let her know she's my top priority. So many times in our life, we lean on people, we look to people to be there for us. Like, I'm going through a difficult time. Maybe my spouse will be there for me, but my spouse isn't, and you get hurt, or you get discouraged, or it doesn't work out the way that you thought it did. And it's like, why doesn't anybody want to make me their priority? I make everybody else, especially moms. Moms know how to make everybody else their priority, but sometimes moms feel like, but who am I a priority to? Who am I a priority? I know Mother's Day is coming up. So many mothers give and give and give and give, but I know there's a lot of mothers out there that feel like, but who am I, who's my, who am I a priority to? And I feel like Jesus wanted to isolate this woman. He sent the disciples along and said, I want her to know she's my top priority. Jesus wants you, I want to encourage you today. Jesus is your, he's, you're his top priority. He can do that. He could be everybody's top priority at the same time. He could give everybody his undivided attention at the same time, which is amazing to think about. But he can do it because he's God. He could do that. And you are his top priority. Say, I'm his top priority. Don't allow the, the hurts or rejections from people close to you that you feel like, man, when am I going to be somebody's priority? Jesus says, come to me. Encounter me. I want to be your priority. And this, and boy, we're about to dive into this lady's story, and it's about to shake her world. And I believe it's going to shake yours too. Let's pick up in verse 7. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into a village to buy some other food. To me, see, this is another example. I'm making her my priority. Verse 9, the woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. Hmm. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Let's stop right there. So there are several things in these three past, these verses that we just read that you can take a lot from, and I promise you, at some point of life, whether it's now in the past or sometimes in the future, we're going to feel like this woman at some point. Some of you may feel like it right now. And what am I talking about? 
this woman represents us in so many ways because she represents how we identify ourselves. She said, I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? To me, what that speaks of is she saw herself in a way that was below her because it says here that Samaritans were uh, despised by Jews. So she automatically had a negative self-image of who she was. Her self-esteem was already low because she said, why are you at, I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you, because men didn't talk to, to women, not alone like that in those times, but why, why are you asking me for a drink? She already had a, 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 like an insecurity inside of her that was already self-conscious to make her address herself or view herself in a way that it wasn't, that, that's not how Jesus saw her. But sometimes we do that to Jesus. We come to him and we say, but why do you want to talk to me? What, what did I ever do to be your priority? And we can begin to project how we view ourselves as the way that Jesus sees us, but that's not how it is at all. And so many people have a hard time connecting with Jesus simply because the way that they view, them, view their own self. Their own self-esteem, their own self-image is so low that they can't even receive the love and the attention from Jesus. So when they come in encounters, when Jesus wants to encounter you, they never really receive what they want because they feel unworthy. Lord, I'm not worthy to receive your love. Maybe if I just clean myself up, maybe if I get things in order, then I will be worthy enough to be able to have a conversation with you. Then I will be worthy enough to lift my hands in prayer. Maybe you're watching online and you felt like that before too. Sometimes the enemies lie to you, make you feel unworthy. That Jesus, I can't be Jesus' priority. You talk about little old me? Yes, I'm talking about little old you. But you have to stop thinking of yourselves as little old me. God wants to make you his priority, and we have to make sure that our past mistakes and lack of vision for the future doesn't call us to feel that we're unworthy to receive Jesus. Don't let your past mistakes or lack of vision for the future cause you to feel like, I'm unworthy for Jesus. Jesus only calls people that are perfect. Jesus only calls people that have it all together. That's not true. Jesus is the same for everyone. He's, he's available for everyone. Amen? Even though she didn't know who Jesus was, she still felt unworthy to talk to him because of who she felt she was. Still at this point, she just thinks it's another man. She doesn't even know at this point who Jesus is. She's just having a conversation. And even before she knew who Jesus was, she already put herself down. Sometimes that's, we come, even before we introduce ourselves to Jesus and we come to meet Jesus, we're already in a state where we put ourselves down. Lift your head up. Know that God has, is your top part. He's your, you're his top priority. View yourself that way. You're special. You're chosen. God loves you. But you have to see yourself in that way to receive his love. Amen? Verse, let's pick up in verse 10. Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and the animals enjoyed? Let's stop right there. Jesus knows everything that we need, and he's willing to give us everything that we have. But our past experiences and hurts can cause us to not fully understand and comprehend him when he speaks to us. 
What I realized about this is that Jesus was speaking to her, I have living water, that if you drink of this water, you will thirst no more. Immediately she went, are, are you greater than Jacob and his sons? It's like her mind immediately went back to past experiences and past hurts and disappointments. To me, that's what that represents. It was like she couldn't even fully comprehend what Jesus was speaking to because her mindset or her thought pattern always went back to the past. Sometimes we can encounter Jesus and he's trying to show us something new. He's trying to show, this is what I have for you. But we always revert to, well, you know, but it was like this in the past. And your mindset, you can't even really comprehend what Jesus is saying. Have you ever been there before? We're like, God, I want you to speak to me. And he's speaking to you, but you're like, I'm not comprehending. It's because you're seeing everything through the lens of your past. She filtered everything that she did through the lens of her past. Just what does that mean? That means this. That means that you encounter Jesus, and you, you get to the point where you say, well, well, God, this relationship that I had, it was so good at one point, but now I'm not in it. I'll never have a good relationship again. He's like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Whoa, Lord, I had this good job. This job was amazing, and something happened, and now you're searching for a job that you love. And like, but God, what about it? will never be as good as that job I had that, at that time. Boy, at this point in my life, it was so good. But if I could just go back to that season in my life, boy, that was the best time of my life. And like Jesus, like, I'm here something fresh. I have living water for you, but you keep filtering everything through your past. And it's like everything is back to your past experiences of what you've done. All of us have been there. But God is trying to introduce us to something new. But Jesus, that's not the way I've done it. That's not the way we do it. We do it this way. He's like, yes, I'm trying to show you, give you living water. Water that you drink of this water, you will thirst no more. But she immediately went back to her past experiences. I feel like so many times when I'm looking at myself, I can, I can identify with this. Jesus was trying to show me something new, but I'm like, but God, but I thought it was like this. And he was like, yes, that's how it was, but I'm trying to give you something new. Amen? God wants to give us something fresh. He wants to give us something new. Don't hold on to the past. Don't cling on to the past experiences because it robs you of your hope for the future. When you begin to cling on to past hurts, past experiences, and you filter everything through that, guess what? It sabotages your future before you even get there. So many people that I encounter as a pastor that they're stuck in their past. And you can tell by the conversations because they always bring up their past. It's like, oh, how you doing? I'm doing great. But, man, I remember this who is not going good because, and then they just start running off this list of things that happened in the past. And I'm like, man, I understand, and I'm sure those things hurt you, but what about your future? And it's like they can't get past their past, so they're stuck right where they are, and they have no hope for the future. That's what this lady was. She was stuck in the past. She was so hurt from her past, so disappointed that she couldn't receive the future that Jesus is standing right there and says, I have this for you. Don't get stuck in the past. Don't get stuck in the past, amen? amen? We can put so much pressure on ourselves that we feel like, man, if I just get my life in order, I can get it right with God. I want you to hear this. If you're watching online, hear this. Getting to Jesus should not be pressure. It should be easy. I don't know if people have tried to make it seem impossible to get to Jesus. It's not. It's very simple. But sometimes we make it so complicated that it is hard. There are a lot of things in life that are very simple, but we overthink it and make it really hard. Like, you ever tried to put together a bookshelf or something like that? And, I mean, sometimes that could be complicated, but if you just follow the instructions, it could be very simple. 
But sometimes I'm like, oh, I can do this. I don't need the instructions. And I'm like, you know what? I need the instructions. And it makes it very simple. But sometimes we can overcomplicate things so much that we make it hard. It's easy to get to Jesus. All you have to do is just drop down your guard and just receive him. It's easy. It's, it's no pressure. So if you've been putting this pressure on yourself, feeling like, I got to get it together. I got to start cutting these things out. Then I can come to Jesus. No, come as you are. I know a lot of people like to use that scripture. Jesus says, come as you are. He does, but he doesn't say stay there. He wants you to bring, come as you are so he can change you. He wants to change you, but it's easy to come to him. So take the pressure off yourself to make you feel like, oh, I have to know all these scriptures, and I have to know all 66 chapters. of the No, you don't. Just come to him as you are. It's easy to receive him. Amen? Amen. Let's pick up in verse 13. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give them will never thirst again. It becomes fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. That's the life he wants to give us, eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never thirst again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Still wasn't getting it. Still wasn't getting it. That's us. Verse 16, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you've had five husbands, and you're not even married to the man you're living in right now. Now, we're going to get to this in a second. But notice Jesus started talking about living water. And then she's saying, oh, yes, I need that water because I'll, ne- I'll never need another rope bucket again. And then immediately Jesus says, well, go back and get your husband. There's a switch right there, but I'm going to get to what, what I feel like the God was showing me what that meant in a second. Let's keep going to verse uh, 20. I'm sorry, verse 19. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here in Mount Gezerimo? Sorry if I pronounced it wrong. Where our ancestors worshiped. Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it, is no longer mat- when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father in this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. Verse 23, but the time is coming, indeed it's here now, where true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. Verse 24, for God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Going back to all that we just read, Jesus talking about living water. She said, give me, oh, I need that. I'll never have to have a rope or bucket again. Then he says, go back and tell your husband. Wait a minute, I don't have a husband. Yes, that's right, because you've had five of them. And the man you're living with now is not even your husband. So what is this? To me, what I felt like God was showing me is this, is that Jesus will try to come to us and reveal himself in a new, fresh way in the natural. Like, he'll make it very simple. But what we do is we try to over-spiritualize our issues or the things that we face. We try to over-spiritualize it, and it causes us to not really comprehend what he's saying. So what Jesus had to do was he's like, you know what? I'm just going to have to go straight to the issue right here to get you to understand what I'm talking about. Because he was trying to explain it to her. She didn't comprehend. So he said, you know what? Since you don't want to understand that, let's just go to your issue. Go get your husband. 
So what does that mean for us? So we try to come to Jesus. We have all our issues going on, and we try to, Jesus, I love you. And we lift our hands, and we worship, and we read our Bible, and we try to over-spiritualize everything. And then Jesus says, that's great, but what about this issue? And he's trying to get down, ooh. And then it stopped her in her tracks. Oh, you must be a prophet. How did, how in the world? And it's like, at this point, now things are, I can, I can imagine this interaction right now. And she's like, wait a minute. How do you know that? Obviously, we know that Jesus knows everything. But we try to fool Jesus like he doesn't already know our situations. It's like we'll try to over-spiritualize it. Well, you know, I know I'm in this relationship, but God is going to touch him. And God is going to, she's going to change. I know she's going to change. So I'm just using, God's just using me to consolidate her. So I'm just consolidating if you catch what I'm saying. So you, y'all ever heard of consolidating? It's like when you're dating someone, but you're trying to consolidate them to salvation. It's like, it doesn't, no, we're not talking about consolidating. We're talking about you're in a situation where Jesus is like, I'm trying to do something new, but since you don't understand it, let's get to your issue. But when he starts to mess with you, when you encounter Jesus, you have to know this one thing. It says later in the verse, he says, God is calling those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. He's trying to get you to follow him in spirit and in truth. In order to do that, you have to deal with your issues. Jesus said, in order for, I, 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 you are my top priority. I love you. I want you. I have a hope in the future for you. But before we can get there, let's deal with these issues that you have right now. Let's stop trying to over-spiritualize the issues that you have, and let's deal with them. So many people try to over-spiritualize what they're going through as a way of not dealing with it. How are you doing, sister? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. Yes, you are. But how are you doing? Well, I'm not doing so well. And then it all comes out. Give it a little time. You know, uh, our little seven-year-old Camden, like when we put her to bed, we'll just talk to her. And I was just like, Camden, how was your day? And she'll just say some random stuff. And but then I'll keep digging a little bit deeper. And soon enough, she'll say, well, today at school, someone says something mean to me. And then the tears start flowing. But sometimes Jesus is like, I just want to dig a little bit deeper. Let's get past the surface level stuff and let's go to the heart. Let's get to the issue at hand. What is going on with your heart? What is going on in your relationships? What is going on in your personal life? And when you get to that point where you encounter Jesus that way, Jesus, all this interaction, Jesus is trying to get to, let's deal with this sin issue that you have so I can give you hope for your future. The reason we don't have hope for our future is because of the sin that we're constantly in. Jesus saying, break free from that. Let's deal with it. Let's, get, let's deal with it and move past it so I can get you to your hope and your future. Amen? Amen? Verse 25. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. Still don't know who he, they're still not realizing who he is. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman but none of them have the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from, village to see, from the village to see him. Verse 31, meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Now he's teaching the disciples. He's showing them, now let me switch gears back to you because you are my priority also. 
You see how Jesus can do that? He can make someone else his priority and shift to someone else and say, now you're my priority. But Jesus replied, I have food you know nothing about. Did someone bring me, bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up, look around. The fields are already ripe for the harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike? You know the saying, one plants and another harvest, and it's true. I sent you to the harvest where you didn't plant. Others have already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. Verse 39, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. And I'm pretty sure they knew that woman. And they said, well, he told you everything you ever did? Oh, I need to come see this man. Because I know, I know you've been with five of them, and the one you're not even with is your husband. So I know if he told you everything you ever did, I need to come see him. Verse 40, when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to this woman, to the woman, now we believe, not just, just because of what you told us, but because we have heard it from himself, from, for we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. Now, I know that was a lengthy passage, but it was a lot in there. We're going to break some of this down. This next part and this final part that I want to talk to you about before we leave tonight is this. This is how you get your hope for the future. No matter what season of life you're in, no matter, it, it, it doesn't matter what season of life you're in, this is how you have hope for the future. Fix your eyes on the harvest. Fix your eyes on the harvest. I know that it seems simple, but it is that simple. If you truly want to have purpose in every season of your life, no matter what your profession is, fix your eyes on the harvest. Have you ever been in a situation before where you felt like, man, if I could just obtain this dollar amount in salary, I'll be great. I'll feel complete. And then you get that dollar amount, you get that salary, and then you feel like, man, I feel like there's still more. Man, if I could just get this house. Boy, if I can get this house, I'll just be fine. You get that house, and then you realize, Hmm, it was good, but I feel like there's still a little bit more. Boy, if I could just drive this car, if I could just get this car, th th this will do it. I but you get the car, and it still doesn't satisfy. Boy, if I could just get this boat, all I need is this boat. Or if I get this hunting camp or this fishing camp, or if I get, it's something that all of us say, if I had this, I will be complete. All of us had a this, whatever that is for you. All of us have been there, and then you get it, and then you realize, man, it didn't satisfy like I thought it did. Why is that? Because nothing will truly satisfy until you get into the harvest. It's the harvest. Jesus had that whole encounter with that lady, the Samaritan woman. He made her a priority, all to tell her, I want to give you hope for your future. The way you do it is lift up your eyes, fix your eyes on the harvest, for the harvest is ripe. The harvest is ripe, y'all. You know, before I went into full-time ministry, I was at a job that I felt like Personally, I was like, you know what? I can retire here. They have a great retirement plan. I receive a couple of promotions. 
And I could see my track. I was just looking for my future. I was like, boy, I could stay here the rest of my life and I'm going to be great. But you know what? Even with that great job and the great retirement, it was still something inside of me that felt unfulfilled. On the outside, it felt like I had everything I wanted. Same thing when I was playing baseball. I was like, boy, if I could just make, make it to the MLB, boy, I'm telling you, I'll be fulfilled. And guess what? I had the opportunity to do that, and I still wasn't fulfilled. Why is that? Because my heart wasn't fixed on the harvest. It doesn't matter what your profession is. And I don't believe you have to be called to the ministry to do this. Like, not everyone is called to the ministry. I believe that God has called some of us to be teachers. We need teachers. Some of us are doctors or lawyers or whatever your profession is. God has called you to that profession because I feel like he gives you uh, uh, desires and creativity. to Because we need Christians in all outlets and all occupations. But what I'm saying is, be passionate about your job, but don't lose focus of the harvest. Because when you do, think about this, man. When you do what you're called to do as far as your occupation, but you still have your eyes on the harvest, I'm telling you, that's a home run. You talk about you want to live a life fulfilled. Do the thing that you're called to do. If it's a teacher, I'm teaching children I'm, or students or whatever age group that is. And, boy, I'm making an impact in the classroom. But still, at the same time, I'm seeing other people come to Christ. I'm telling you, boy, that's a home run. You talk about a life fulfilled. That's a life fulfilled. I think about this lady back home, Mama Lucille. She's 93, I believe, 93, 94. She's still saying, I'm trying to get closer to Jesus. And everywhere she goes during this pandemic, she's been kind of skittish about getting out. So she's been jumping on Zoom calls to meet in small groups to say, I just want to tell the ladies about Jesus. So still at 93, she feels, she's full of person. She's like, I want to write a book about Jesus. And it's like she's so full of passion because her eyes have never moved from, from the harvest. You start losing passion. You start losing hope for the future when you take your eyes off the harvest. So all in short is, how do I have vision for the future? Fix your eyes on the harvest. I believe that entire encounter that Jesus had with that woman was to get her to get to this point. Fix your eyes on the harvest. The harvest is ripe. If you look around the world right now, guess what? The harvest is ripe. The harvest is ripe. And because of that one encounter, because Jesus made that woman her one, his one priority, it says that she went back and told everyone, come and hear a man that told me everything I ever did. And the Bible says that so the whole village came and they loved him so much. They said, stay another day. He stayed two days. And the entire village got saved because of one woman's encounter with Jesus. All because she fixed her eyes on the harvest. Think about the harvest in your family. What if you fixed your eyes on your family and you said, you know what? Because I encountered Jesus and now my eyes are fixed on the harvest. Salvation is going to come to my family. What if you think about your workplace, wherever it is that you work, and you say, you know what? I have some coworkers that I know they need to encounter Jesus. And you fix your eyes on the harvest at your workplace. And you see your, if sometimes you feel like you're frustrated with the coworkers or something, just start thinking of them as the harvest. Start talking to them about Jesus. At that job that I talked about, I love that job. Tomorrow will tell you, I, I love that job. I love the people that I work with. But you know what I did at that job? When I started feeling unfulfilled, I started doing a small group at work. So what we, we had the flexibility in our schedule where in our time we weren't really dictated and, and, and micromanaged. So what I would do is I would get everybody in a circle and we, I would just start asking questions about the Bible. And we would start having a small group right there at work. So when I put my two-week resi resignation in to tell them that, hey, I'm, I'm going to be a pastor, it was a no surprise to everyone there because they knew that's what I was passionate about. 
when you, no matter what your profession is, fix your eyes on the harvest. Well, you can make a difference, and you could be that this one woman's experience, you could be the result of your generations and generations of your family change because your eyes are fixed on the harvest. You know, there's times I get with my family and it breaks my heart. They're like, man, I wish this family member would love the Lord. But you know what? I feel like God is saying, fix your eyes. They're the harvest. And I begin to look for ways to plant seeds and to encourage them in the Lord. And God is wanting to use you to be this one woman's experience. So you say, well, how am I like the Samaritan woman? Fix your eyes on the harvest. You want to have hope for your future? You want to have passion for your future and be excited about your future? Fix your eyes on the harvest. Look around. Everywhere you go, there's harvest. In your home, in your workplace, wherever you, in the supermarkets, in the, everywhere you go, there's harvest. You start fixing your eyes on that, I promise you, your life will never be unfulfilled You'll always be satisfied, but you're constantly looking for new people. Who can I invite to church now? Who can I? Think about this. What if everybody's heart in this church got on fire for seeing the harvest and fixing it? They wouldn't have room in in this building to hold everyone. It wouldn't. But guess what? Even as I, every time I get up and speak, and I tell tomorrow this all the time, through my eyes of faith, every time I see, I see this this place packed to the seams. You say, well, I don't see it now, but it doesn't matter. I see it. I see it by faith. I see God stirring at something in my heart, and I feel like it's catching on in the church. Well, people's hearts are getting on fire to say, you know what? I need to fix my eyes on the harvest. But guess what? It, God is calling each and every one of us to play our own part in that. He's calling you to be that woman, to see it. Think one woman had a whole village saved. I'm not sure how many are in the village, but guess what? God has a village for you that he wants you to save. God has a village for you that he's just saying, all I need you to do is lift your eyes and fix it on the harvest. And I promise you, the fulfillment, he says that the reward you will get is eternal life. There is no greater joy than seeing someone else that you personally invited to come to Christ or something like experience Christ. I'm telling you, you want to get fired up, invite someone to church and let them get saved. Invite someone to church and let God start moving in their heart. You're going to ooh. I'm so excited. You're looking for the next person to do it. Like, who, who else can I bring? Who else can? And it's, it's, it's just in a momentum. That's how revival starts. All the great revivals start because someone said, come see a man that told me everything I ever did. But it starts in our hearts. And I just want to encourage you today. If you ever at any season of life, whether it's now or in the future, you feel like I have no purpose. I, I feel like I don't know what's going next. Fix your eyes on the harvest. You online, fix your eyes on the harvest. You want to have hope for your future? You want to be excited about your future? Fix your eyes on the harvest. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. I told you, we could see how I find ourselves in that woman. There's so many things that I never thought about before, but I feel like Jesus was like, I want you to be a priority, but I need you to fix your eyes on the harvest. Amen? Amen. Amen. But before we close today, Man, let's just, let's just close our eyes and just lift our hands and let's just pray. Let's just pray to the Lord in this moment. Holy Spirit, thank you so much for moving in our hearts and in our lives. I thank you, Lord, that you're giving us a passion for the harvest. You're giving us a passion for the lost. And I pray that if we've been calloused, if we've just been neglecting the harvest and so fixated on our lives and what we have on and our own issues. I pray that tonight that we're stirred, Lord, to look up and fix our eyes on the harvest. 
I pray that we will begin to look all around us. There's helpless people that feel helpless all around us. Open up our eyes to those people, Lord. Open up our lives to the neglected that feel like I'm not anyone's priority. Introduce them to a man that can tell them everything they've ever did. I thank you, Lord, that you're using us to go back to the village that you've given us, the areas of influence that you've given us, that we would go back just like that woman did, and we would make a difference in our areas of influence, Lord God, in our village. And I thank you for the faith. I thank you for the strength. I thank you that we won't worry about what to say, that you give us the words to say in those moments. And I thank you for divine appointments. When we begin to have divine appointments, when we'll be able to, uh, to witness and to share our faith with those around us. I thank you for those divine appointments, Lord God. I thank you what you're doing in our hearts. The revival is stirring in our hearts. That our hearts never get in a place, Lord, where we become callous or we come ap- become apathetic towards the lost. Let our hearts burn for the lost, Lord. Give us a passion for souls. Give us a passion for the lost, where all we do, Lord God, is think of ways that we can bring other people to come meet you. I thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. I thank you for what you're doing and moving in our church. I thank you that you're stirring, that there's a stirring in our hearts for the lost. Lord, what breaks your heart is lost souls. Break our hearts for what breaks yours, the lost. And I thank you for a passion that you're starting it tonight. A fire in our heart, a fire in our belly is burning for the lost. That we're fixing our eyes on the harvest tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord one more hand clap before we close tonight. Man, if you're watching online, thank you for tuning in. I'm so glad you were able to join in and log on to find out and get excited about what God is doing and fixing your eyes to the harvest. You know, this Sunday starts our new sermon series, The Real Jesus. Uh, One of our overseers, Pastor Jonathan Stocksdale, Bethany Church in Baton Rouge, um, he wrote a book recently that was released yesterday called The Real Jesus. So we're partnering with him and churches across the nation that we're going to do this series together. So at churches across America, they're going to be talking about the real Jesus. And I know sometimes we've, our experience with Jesus has been because of what our mom told us or what our grandmother told us or what the pastor told us. But I believe that over these next few weeks that you're going to encounter the real Jesus and experience him for yourself. I'm excited about this series. I'm excited about what God is going to do. Join us this Sunday. We'll be here at 10 a.m. Worship starts at 10 a.m. Be with us in the building. Invite someone. We'd love to see you. It's Mother Day weekend. Bring your mother. We're going to have a great time this Sunday, 10 a.m. We'd love to see you there. You guys have a great night. See you later. See y'all Sunday. Amen.